Hi, and welcome to Art Warming, the Lehigh University Pride Center's podcast for all things art and mental health. I'm Dom Ocampo, the student intern host in charge. Here you'll find interviews with various creatives and mental health enthusiasts on campus and in the Bethlehem area, as well as highlights featuring Lehigh's artists in the making. On today's episode, we'll have me talking about why I do this podcast, more on that later, and Heather O'Dale, who will be discussing her work with Healing Through the Arts and how art helped her battle with mental wellness and cancer. But before that, this is going to be a bit of a different episode and one that is very personal and special to me. I've had the privilege to talk with so many people on campus recently about why I started this podcast in the first place, and my intern advisor Mel and I thought it would be a good idea to finally dedicate a space where I get vulnerable and share my art and insight with you all. So for today's first highlight, I'll be doing a cover of my favorite song, Tap Twice by Katie Kirby on guitar. Gracious sense of lying next to me When I don't know if you're sleeping But you ought to be I just wanted to protect you With your shaking hands and old shoes I just thought that you might grow to understand I tapped twice on your door frame and you let me in I tapped twice on your forehead and the heart appears It seems like you're only high when you're holding your breath Only right when you're broken in half When we met a few years back I left oranges in your bedroom like an offering And I see you in the future You look just the same but older And I wave to you but I don't slow my pace I tap twice on your door frame and you let me in I tap twice on your forehead and When I almost broke my wrist trying to bring you back And you thrashed around like goldfish in a garbage bag It seems like you're only high When you're holding your breath Only bright when you're broken in And we're back! I hope you enjoyed that cover. Um, I don't often talk about how much I love to sing and make music, even with people that I'm close to. So to have my singing voice and guitar skills publicized on a podcast I'm making for my internship is a little bit scary to me. (laughs) Um, Glad I can't take that back now. But yeah, it's really strange to be talking alone on this podcast for the first time on episode three. I really wanted to make this podcast to share other people's perspectives and to get 
as broad of a range of experiences during this crisis as possible. So I wasn't even considering for a long time talking by myself about myself. It just didn't feel right. But I've been so, so privileged to have people from the brown and white reach out to me and people from all different corners of the Lehigh community asking me about this project and how they can help out. So it just feels right to kind of come clean, I guess, about the reasoning behind this podcast and who the person that is hosting this whole shebang actually is. I haven't even properly introduced myself on this podcast, so I guess that's where we'll start. If you didn't know already, my name is Damo Campo. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a sophomore at Lehigh in the Ideas Program for Theater Engineering. And when people ask me what that entails, the best way I can put it to sum up is my dream job is engineering sets and special effects for Broadway. That would be the most ideal career path. I'm also minoring in French. I'm proficient at this point. I'm about to finish it. If you want to talk with me in French casually over the summer so that I don't forget all of the vocab before taking a 300 level class, that would be awesome. Please reach out. Um, I've been a Pride Center intern since last fall with a focus on queer mental health. So some of the work that I've been doing since then is do original research through surveys and create an infographic on the queer mental health experience at Lehigh in comparison to the general student body's population. I'm currently planning a facilitation with one of my friends who's also an intern to present to the Health and Counseling Center in Johnson Hall to improve the queer mental health experience within those institutions on campus. I've been in charge of the Mental Health Mondays. So for example, if you've seen the Pride Center therapy dog, Gracie, she's one of a kind around campus. I've helped plan all of the events that she's attended. The self-care concert series that unfortunately only had one installment because of the COVID crisis. All of those events I've helped organize for the past two semesters. And of course, this podcast, which is my baby, which is what has been taking up 50% of my brain capacity since coming home for quarantine. Other things I do on campus, I'm currently SPEAK's membership development chair. If you don't know what SPEAK is, we're similar to Break the Silence. We're a peer education group on queer issues and everything LGBT. I'm the incoming intern slash president for that organization, and I run the social media account, the Instagram, if you care to follow. It's at SPEAK underscore educators. It's one of my favorite things that I've gotten involved in on campus. What else? I'm also extremely involved in the theater department. I've been in two main stage shows at Zollner. So if you were around last year, I was Jojo the Bald Face Liar in Dog Act. And then last semester, I was Ginny Yang in Smart People. I was in the spring 2019 One Axe Showcase, and I'm a Mustard and Cheese Society member. And I'm also a member of Lehigh's chapter of Kappa Alpha Theta. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is what drew me to the Pride Center and the first place. It's a very personal story, but extremely relevant to everything I do with this podcast and within the center in general. Before Lehigh, I went through 13 years of Catholic schooling. I literally up until Lehigh did not know what it was like to go to a non-religious institution. I was raised very heavily Catholic and in the eighth grade, I realized I was pansexual. And with no resources, attending a religious institution that was avidly against me identifying that way and with the kind of Catholic guilt you hear about from being raised um, so rigidly within the religion. I had to Google everything myself and figure out my identity and all the identities related to it from my own research and efforts. It was 
extremely isolating. Um, I wasn't confident or even proud of my identity. I was scared to tell people that or even voice to other people that I was an ally of the community for so long. I wasn't even fully proud of my identity and proud of my allyship until I came out to my parents the summer after my senior year of high school. Luckily, I had and have a lot of queer friends who I found along the way within these Catholic institutions. So we kind of created a little family. We weren't alone in our struggles with our identities. But it was definitely a huge, huge, huge journey of learning on our own and unlearning all of the biases that had been fed to us through our education for so long. So coming to Lehigh, I knew I wanted the opportunity to educate people and provide the support that little me didn't have. I wanted to be a part of whatever safe havens for people going through similar experiences existed on campus. And so immediately upon coming in as a freshman, I went to the Pride Center and asked how I could get involved. There's also the question I get a lot of why mental health as my intern project focus. Personally, I see not even just because of the research I've done that's proven so on campus, I've always seen a huge connection between queer identity and mental health. For me, I started struggling with symptoms of anxiety and depression around the same time I was realizing my personal identity um, and my upbringing with this trademarked Catholic guilt and the stigma of mental health that it comes with, you know, the idea that if you're feeling depressed or anxious, you should just turn to God and he'll have all the answers for you when being in those headspaces meant even when you're religious, you just feel so, so alone. Um, it caused me to be so quiet about it and I didn't see professional help or even come clean with my parents about what was going on mentally with me until after I graduated high school. And the sole reason was because I wanted to pave a path for my younger siblings if they were struggling with something similar to me. And also, I didn't want to start cleaning college without the resources I already knew I needed, even previous to my diagnosis. I struggled so much with equating my worth with other people's opinions of me because of my struggle with my identity. Um, I equated my worth with my academic achievements, and I couldn't see my inherent worthiness and bottled everything up for years. Even people who have known me forever didn't know completely my struggle because I was too ashamed or scared of it. So the struggle with queer identity and mental health for me go hand in hand. Luckily, being a sophomore in college now, um, my experience has been completely rewritten. I went through trauma therapy and am going through therapy weekly now. Um, I've learned to open up to my friends and my boyfriend and everyone important to me. And that stigma for both how I identify and how I feel in my brain began to unravel because I had the professional and personal support that I needed for so many years. And because of that, I wanted coming into Lehigh and continue to want passionately to lift that stigma and provide support um, similar to the work I do with identity in the Pride Center. I so personally understand what it's like to be scared of seeking help and to be scared of voicing your experiences because a part of it is saying it out loud makes it real. And I wanted my project to pave a path for people that have these fears and these struggles. So my intern project focus was born. Um, but everyone goes at their own pace and therapy only works if you want it to and you're ready for it. Um, it can take years to truly open up to a professional and that's okay. Sometimes that's just how people heal and that's 
just how the world works. Everyone has their own way of processing and coping. And the only real right way to heal and improve your mental health is to do it the way your body needs you to. And so to tie it into the main thesis of this podcast, for a lot of people, art is that way to cope before taking that next step into therapy. For me personally, since I was a kid, I have been so, so, so attached to art. I loved storytelling and creative writing. I would write books upon books upon books. Um, I taught myself guitar and ukulele, and I'm still doing that now. Uh, drawing, painting, singing, acting, they are all now and have been for so long a total outlet for when I didn't know how to communicate my feelings or have a place to put them in the first place. Even before I was diagnosed with anxiety, I've always been a huge introvert. So being into acting and theater in the way that I am now doesn't seem to make sense with um, the kind of internal struggles I have. But getting into theater in middle school and high school, the stage especially became a place where I could be somebody else for a few hours and act out in ways I never allowed myself to or didn't feel safe enough to. The stage and theater and acting was a place where feeling things out loud was embraced. So in a lot of ways, theater and art in general became my personal therapy when I wasn't going out of my way to tell people about my struggles and communicate it to somebody professionally. So on a personal level, I firmly believe that art is healing. And I know that art is healing for so many people. It's a safe haven for a lot of people to turn to before, during, and even after seeking professional help. And especially during COVID, art has helped me so much. I play guitar every single day for at least like half an hour. I'm blessed enough to be taking a theater class that requires me to draw every week and to paint and to color and to create things that I'm passionate about. I journal almost every day. I make sure to write all of my feelings down. I'm an avid podcast listener um, outside of the one that I record and edit on a weekly basis. Oftentimes I'll sit down and I'll write or I'll draw or something and at the same time be listening to media that inspires me or calms me down. Art is so, so meaningful for a lot of people and I think that there's a huge misunderstanding among the people who didn't grow up loving it already that you have to be talented to enjoy art. You have to be good at it to reap the benefits of seeking out art. And that's just not true. I would be lying if I said that I was perfect in all the different artful things that I do. I more often than not cut myself on the strings of my guitar. I have thrown out millions of crumpled up drawings and whenever I paint, I get it everywhere. And my parents yell at me because it's all over my desk and my walls. My voice cracks when I sing. It's by no means perfect. And it will never be perfect, even if you've been doing this for thousands of years. But the point is that you're making it rather than you're not. And you're putting all of that creative energy somewhere that you can look at it. And that on its own, regardless of how refined your skills are, is so powerful. And so the hope of this podcast is to communicate that and to hear so many different people's perspectives and stories and how art has helped them and how their mental health has been affected by the different ways that they're able to get their feelings out. This podcast has helped me so much in giving me new creative ways 
to improve my mental health via art, especially during COVID. For example, Kristen knew when I talked with her about art journaling right after. I've started to doodle and scrapbook incessantly in my personal journal. And to have that abstract way of communicating how my day went is so fun and exciting and something I hadn't even thought about before. Talking with Chelsea about how tarot has helped her improve her mental health and create structure and inspiration at the beginning of her day. I went on a huge YouTube spiral, just completely jumped down the rabbit hole watching videos about modern tarot and modern witchcraft. And I'm still looking up books to read about all of these different things. There's just so much inspiration that I've reaped from hearing other people's stories. And I know that if that's the case for me, that can be the case for a lot of other people. So in general, to answer the huge question, why am I doing this? Other than everything I've already rambled out to all of you. I just hope that this podcast brings some sort of peace and calm to other people. Um, I hope that it sparks something in you and makes you think and do some research for yourself and view the world in a little bit of a different light. There is just an energy that comes with seeing things from a different perspective. And it's definitely brought me a lot of happiness and a lot of stillness in my life having this project. So I can only hope that other people have the same opportunity to just like sit and listen for a little bit like I have. Um, even if it's just for 30 or so minutes. I know that life is really, really crazy right now. I can attest that it's been a lot of highs and lows on my end, but just waking up in the morning and getting to interview some of these amazing people and getting to witness the different thoughts and movements that these people have brought into the community is otherworldly. So now you all know a lot about me. That was super vulnerable. But I hope that that provided some insight on the questions that I've been getting a lot. And I hope that it made this podcast feel a little more genuine and safe and personal for people who are probably wondering who the heck this host was in the first place. But yes, I care so deeply about all of these things. And I want to bring light to it as much as I can. I hope that you enjoyed this segment. If you didn't, let me know so that I can never talk on the podcast again. Um, if you did like it, and if you would be interested in hearing me speak more on different topics in the future, let me know. But yes, thank you so much for listening if you've gotten this far. Um, and next up, we have the amazing Heather Rodale. But as always, we shall proceed her interview with our second highlight of the episode, which is actually the Healing Through the Arts website, htta.org. On the website, you can learn more about the nonprofit she founded and view galleries of art pieces created specifically with mental wellness in mind. The meditations and workshops we discussed during the interview are also listed on the website, so make sure to click over and learn more about the amazing stuff she's been working on in the Lehigh community. That's htta.org. So on the show now is Heather Rodale. In 2008, Heather founded the not-for-profit based in Allentown called Healing Through the Arts to motivate individuals diagnosed with chronic conditions to create their new normal lifestyle and find strength and hope through the arts. In 2011, she also created the Hope and Healing Juried Art Show for high school and college students to give students the opportunity to create and donate original artwork for healthcare and healing facilities. Some art from this movement has been used to create digital meditations with music of renowned musicians who have come to support healing through the art, including Jim Brickman, Kira Willey, and Olivia Newton-John with Amy Skye and Beth Nielsen Chapman. Um, they have been essential in supporting the connection between the arts and mindfulness. And not just in the Lehigh Valley area, the HTTA 
ABA website and social media reach people nationally and globally. Um, so thank you so much, Heather, for um, being on the show and talking with me today. Um, my first question for you was going to be, how long have you been involved in the art? What drew you to it for your profession? Well, my mother was an art teacher, and my both my grandmothers were artists in different forms, uh, different mediums. All my siblings, um, I'm the oldest of five, everyone it has art as part of our life. So I don't know how long it has been, but we have always uh, felt that art was part of life. We had friends who were painters, and we always had beautiful paintings from local artists in our home. And when, you know, being the oldest of five, when my mom, was, we were getting on her nerves, or it was a snow day or endless rainy day, she'd whip out our projects for us to do to stay out of trouble. So uh, we've been at it for a long time. I know that art is also a very personal way of healing um, for a lot of people, um, including yourself. I know the inspiration behind HTTA is your personal healing from cancer. So um, to your comfort, do you think you could speak on that personal experience for you and the role that art played in your growth during that time? Sure. Um, after I had my surgery, my doctor said, after a period of time, he said, okay, you can go back to work. And I said, wait a minute. My body might be healed, but my mind is different. And he said, I can't help you with that, but if you can find the meaning of life, you will have a much better healing process. I asked how to do that. He said it's different for everybody. He couldn't help me with that. I'd have to find it for myself. I then suffered a severe, deep depression because I didn't know how to make it till the next day. Everything in my life was changed. I was now living with a chronic condition. And... Um, I, a coworker uh, gave me the name of two coaches, and she said, call one today. I did. I called one, and I just connected with her so well. I worked with her for about six months, and um, she asked me to let go of everything in my life that was not joyful. It was a really difficult process because I said, I have to hold on to this in case this one doesn't work. I need this as a backup plan. She said, no. We're going to clean off the slate, and we're going to put back only what is joyful. It took me about three months halfway through the program where I really had left go of everything except my kids and my home. And um, then we started doing joy mapping, which is a version of mind, the mind map process, but really sourcing out what brings you joy. And she looked at my joy map, and she said, where's your work? And Nothing that I had done previously in work was on this joy map. So we created a new process for joy, and Healing Through the Arts was born out of that process. The other thing that is important to note here is that when I was in the hospital, I was in New York City, and my hospital room overlooked the East River, which was, for a city view, a beautiful nature view. And it's very boring and lonely to be in a hospital where it's not nearby your home. You don't have people coming to visit you. And, um, you know, you just spend endless time watching the sun change and the shadows change throughout the day. And I had to walk the halls so I wouldn't get pneumonia. And I noticed that not all the other patients had rooms that looked out onto a beautiful view. 
When I came home, I did some research and found that Dr. Roger Ulrich in Philadelphia had done a study where he found that people who had a hospital room that looked out to nature, as opposed to the other side of the hall that had rooms that looked out to a brick wall, the people who had nature views went home at least one day sooner. They had less pain, needed less pain medication. They were more hopeful about their future and they listened more to treatment options than the people who looked out onto a brick wall. And so I figured that if you were in a hospital and you didn't have a nature view, what would be the next best thing? Growing up and being inspired by art, I thought that if we could provide art to healthcare, people could have a window of hope with this art when a real window didn't exist. Uh, I then interviewed different people in hospitals in the administration. So the size that we take is dependent upon what they said they had room for. Most of the art is placed in waiting rooms because there's just so much clutter and equipment in hospital rooms. Uh, but it's basically put where people are waiting. And there's also in doctor's offices. We also have art in doctor's offices as well. We started with high school kids first because I thought, how could I get the best quality of art when they, they would donate it for free? And um, I also thought that it was at a time when high schools were cutting programs for the arts due to budget restraints. And um, I thought these students that really excel in the arts or have interest in the arts should be honored. And this is a way that we could honor them by giving them the opportunity to create their art. Um, they also supply an inspiration statement so they get it, the viewer can further understand um, how the artist thought their piece was healing. So that's a little bit about how my personal journey has led me to this. That was really inspiring. I really loved the connection that you made between, you know, your body being physically healed, but what about your mind and your mental health as well? Um, I feel like there's a very strong link between physical health and mental health in that if one or the other is compromised, um, it takes the other down with it. But I know that a lot of times because of the stigma around mental health, people kind of view depression and anxiety and different personal struggles as something different and almost less valid um, than physical health, when in reality they're super related and super intertwined in ways that we can't even truly understand. On that note, what connections do you see between physical health and self-love that um, you might have witnessed through your work through HTTA? Well, actually, I think that the mental health is actually the door that needs to open for the physical health because if you're not in the right mindset and you're not optimistic about the fact that you can heal, the chances are much more difficult that you will have a good healing process. When I was suffering, I went to different workshops. I didn't take classes per se because I didn't want to be stuck in a six-week program if I didn't like the medium that I was learning about. And so I would just take workshops, you know, for two hours, um, learn different things. What I learned, the first one was mandala drawing. And this has really been my first piece because when I was learning mandala drawing, I felt no pain. I lost track of time. And my body was in an incredible state of peace, 
during the process and more so at the end than when I started. I enjoyed it so much I've continued on and now teach it at my Healing Arts Center. I took a workshop on art journaling and I've totally loved this process this medium. Uh, in fact, during this pandemic, I am art journaling very frequently and posting my art journal pages on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Each one features some medium of art related to an inspirational quote. I'm a collector of quotes. I've got hundreds of quotes. <laughs> so I combine the quotes with the art um, to keep people uh, engaged in art and uh, positive. Also, I think that when we work with the students, we see how important art is to their mental well-being and their appreciation that they are good enough. They're, because of the inspiration statements that they supply, it is wonderful to see how they connect. And I would say when we started, I think the statistics said that 20 to 30 percent of students in high school were dealing with mental health issues, either themselves or within their family. And we see it more like 50 percent. So it might be the kids that are participating with us or the fact that they feel that they can share, they have a safe place to share their ideas. Teachers are telling us that they're learning more about their students than through this process, through the Hope and Healing Jury Dart Show, than they ever would have known otherwise. So it's giving the students a voice to talk about their feelings and what they're going through. There's a lot of loneliness and loss. There's also coping with chronic conditions, health and mental health. So I feel like this is really a wonderful process. And the students are recognized for their art and for coming, you know, we give out awards, some of the judges awards and some are community awards where the community awards are being selected by anyone who wants to pay to fund the prize and name the award. This last art show, we had 30 some students getting awards and then they, they get recognition for their work to it. It's a very special time for them. So we do everything we can to um, honor these students and give them an opportunity to express their feelings and share um, and try and help others through their own process. I think that that is such a valiant effort, especially coming from when I was first struggling with, uh, when I first had an inkling that I might have problems with my mental health. I was in middle school or the beginning of high school, and the art wing of my high school brought me so much joy and so much peace. And what you were saying about creating a safe space where students can express themselves and express their feelings and creative ways um, and have that outlet amongst other students and even adults they can look up to as inspiration. I think that art is so, so important for so many young people and for them to have the opportunity to do art with mindfulness as the focus is so powerful. I know that you've collaborated with a broad range of age groups in your work from working with these high schoolers and other students. Do you see um, different attitudes amongst the age groups toward art? Well, I have um, over my career worked with all um, age groups and demographics of people as a teacher in different capacities. Uh, my first job was a first grade teacher, and um, I can say that little children don't have the perception of whether they're good or not. They just do it. And Picasso said every child's an 
um, an artist, the trouble is how to remain one when you grow up, which is actually true. And then kind of at the teenage years through adults, this is what I'm seeing now in the workshops that we're doing at the Healing Arts Center, we do focus on teens to adults there. And so many people say, oh, I'm not creative or I'm not an artist. And I believe that creativity can be taught. Creativity is a mindset and it's a willingness to kind of play with art tools. It doesn't mean that you need to draw a still life as it exists in a photograph. There's different kinds of mediums and you can find which medium brings you the most joy. It's one of the reasons why I like art journaling because, you know, whether you do collage or watercolor or painting or stamping or all different things, you can incorporate all of that into an art journal. But I would say that once people have the experience of what I say playing with art tools, they find that the inhibitions are broken down and they don't need to feel, you know, whatever their piece is, it means something to them. It might not be something that's going to be given away or sold or hung on the wall, but the process of just doing it has been so enjoyable, so peaceful, so relaxing. That's really the the key here is that the art that we are teaching is for stress relief. Getting back to creativity, this is not just for the field of art. This is so, I've worked in business as well, and this is so important in business. And because thinking creatively helps you to think of solutions. It helps you get unstuck. It helps you think of new ways to work, all different things. So creativity is something that is so important to be developed in children, in teens, and even, you know, in adults. You shouldn't think that it just because you haven't done it as an adult, you can't develop it. You can because we, we don't, most people in the adult, in their adult careers don't stay in the same job their entire length of their career. They need to move around and whether they're moving around because of job loss or they're moving around for other reasons or they're not happy or they want more money, most people need to think creatively about their, their careers as well. And I love that you brought it back to adults needing a way to look at their lives and their careers creatively. I was just listening to this podcast and they were talking about how oftentimes today the attitude toward what you major in, what your career path is coming out of college, it's almost like people feel that they're locked into that and they have no choice and have to kind of stay within that focal point. And it's a very trapping idea that whatever specific decision you made uh, coming out of college and into the workplace is what you have to stick to for the rest of your life, when in actuality you're allowed to be well-rounded and you're allowed to love different things. Life is just a matter of growing and growing, and if you pick up art when you're 10 versus when you're 30, it makes no difference in that you're allowed to keep learning and you're allowed to find joy in all corners of life. On that note, um, for my last question, I was going to ask, what has been the most rewarding part of your work through all of this? Well, seeing how Healing Through the Arts has grown in 10 years, uh, 12 years for the, the organization, 10 years for the art show is really incredible. We started our first art show with 30 some pieces of art. This year we got 200 
and had to jury out down to like 160 in order to fit into the gallery that we were in. I've also really enjoyed working with educators and students um, who have joined this cause and seeing, you know, when you provide an opportunity, what they can create. The art that they have created has exceeded my wildest dreams. It is very beautiful. It is moving. I, I admire them. Some of them are far better than, you know, than I could ever be. But, you know, being creative and being artistic and, and enjoying art is also viewing art and not just, you know, doing it. You can also be inspired. We do workshops at our Healing Arts Center and seeing how the attendees get into the process and how they can awaken their creative spirit and find a sense of joy. I find great fulfilling experiences for me in seeing that what has been wonderful for me and teaching it to other people how it can enhance and they can continue after they've left our sessions and continue at home. And some keep sending me pictures of things that they're they're working on and uh you know it's like you plant a seed and then they're taking care of it and they're growing and that's just it's just wonderful to see that that's amazing thank you so much for talking with me heather your uh, all of your work has been so impactful for a lot of people and i'm sure that people at lehigh are going to be so inspired by everything that you've had to say especially during this extremely stressful situation that we're in um, with covid Thank you so much for all of your personal comments and sharing your experience. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so very much for listening to Artwarming. If you're interested in being featured or speaking on the show, please email me dro222 at lehigh.edu or DM me on Instagram at art.warming. Today's transition music was written and recorded by yours truly. And as always, thank you so much to Mel Kitchen and Chelsea Gilbert for all their support as my intern advisors. Hope you're all staying happy and healthy, and I'll see you next time.